Welcome to Stargate SG-1 for the first time, still not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I am watching Stargate SG-1 for the first time. And I'm Brent Allen, and I'm watching Stargate SG-1 for the 47th time. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters that came together to do a Babylon 5 podcast. And we had so much fun doing that that we decided to do it again with a show that really a lot of you out there wanted us to do. I wanted us to do. Jeff wanted us to do. So we're doing it. So whether this is your first time, like me, or your 47th time, like Brent, we invite you to come along on this journey with us as we give Stargate SG-1 the for the first time treatment. For me, since it's my first viewing of this... I'm just going to be experiencing the show, watching it, seeing what unfolds, and I'm going to bring all of you along with me to relive your first viewing experience. Which really is the best part. It really is. It's pretty fun. But because this is a for the first time, I'm going to be doing a first time watch through the show where I am looking for what we call those sci-fi messages, the Star Trek-like messages, Uh, you know, those messages that give you a hope uh, for the future. Maybe they hold up a mirror to society or just show us how we can be better humans to each other. I'm looking for those examining Stargate for the very first time with those messages rather than just watching it. And just to reiterate a point, this is still not a Star Trek podcast. And so Brent and I like to play games on our shows. And one of our favorites is the rule of three. This is a game that limits us to no more than three references to Star Trek per episode. That's it. And when we make those references, because we're, we're gonna, you're going to hear this noise. While we are Star Trek podcasters, we are also Babylon 5 podcasters. Not made veteran yet. Not veteran yet, but we are Babylon 5 podcasters. And those references also are sure to make their way in. And when they do, you're going to hear this sound. Oh, yes. And those, of course are unlimited. All right, Brent. So last week we watched Emancipation. We talked about it far too long and got into some really deep stuff. So I'm not going to reflect on that at all. It's been an interesting week of conversations with the fans (laughs) for this one. We love, we love our conversations with you, but this one we're going to be watching uh, today. I think it's called the, the Broca divide, the Broca divide. Yep. And my guess was this is going to be like Deep Space Nine's Babel, where something, the ba- the broca in your brain is your like language processing center. So there's going to be a divide and people are going to start speaking gibberish and they got to figure things out. And there'll probably be some timer on when do we get back to the Stargate? And oh my gosh, so much pressure and I can't communicate. And what are we going to do? Hey, Brent, why don't you tell me a little bit about this episode? Well, this is season one, episode five. The Broken Divide is the title, as we said, the original air date. August 15th, 1997. Other than that, there's not really much else to, to of note to talk about before we watch the episode. Um, hey, listen, if you guys out there are joining us for the first time, here's the way this is going to work. Jeff and I are watching this episode for the first time. We're going to go away. If you're, if you're, if you're listening, we're going to go away. We're going to go watch this episode. We're going to come back when it's done and we're going to discuss it immediately within seconds of pressing stop. For those of you watching us on YouTube, however, you're going to get to join us as we do that watch. And if you're on Patreon, then you're going to get the full unedited cut. Let's do this. Chevron 7 locked. 
hey, do you remember back at the end of Children of the Gods when SG-1 brought all those refugees back through the gate? You know, the crowd that Teal'c had been ordered to kill? Well, we can now confirm that they have all been given permission to be relocated to planet P3X797ABC12239er. <sighs> SG-1 heads out to said Niner planet to check it out. Upon arriving, they're in a forest shrouded in darkness. Cavemen-like folks attack the group. They fight them off with some ease and walk out of the dark forest into the light. Pretty hard contrast. They find an active and thriving and, frankly, beautiful Minoan culture nearly frozen in time. There they meet with Counselor Tuplo, who explains that they live in the land of light. But the touched, those Neanderthals that they met earlier, are actually citizens of the land of light. Friends, relatives who have been cursed and thus banished to the dark forest. Well, that seems rather harsh until you realize these people have no idea what this curse actually is, and this thing seems to be very contagious. Back on Earth, members of SG-1 and 3, who were both on the planet, begin exhibiting animalistic behavior. One even attacks Teal'c. Sam does her best Belana Torres in the throes of the Ponfar impression and goes hard after Jack, who himself later gets very, very pushy with Daniel. They all head into isolation with worsening symptoms, actually transforming their bodies into real-life Neanderthals. The entire mountain is placed in a strict quarantine until they can figure this out. In an attempt to discover the cure, Daniel, who seems immune to this disease, and Teal'c, who is immune to every disease, returns to the PC3X9er planet, or whatever it's called, and hopes to get a blood sample of the folks there. They get attacked again by the touched, but this time Daniel gets captured, and before long, Daniel and a young lady have both been touched. Tilk goes to the Land of Light to ask about the blood sample, and Tuplo says, no way, Jose, but Tilk doesn't care. He levels the guards and just takes it, working that vacu-suck tube like a seasoned phlebotomist. Bringing it back to the SGC, Dr. Frazier analyzes it and realizes that it's nothing special about the blood. It's just that those untouched are people who happen to have a naturally high histamine count. Frazier and Daniel both take high doses of Benadryl, and Tilk's symbiote protects him. So this curse really is just a virus that nearly everyone on the planet is carrying, but their histamines work to keep the virus at bay. While all this is going on, more and more people are succumbing to the effects of the virus, including General Hammond. Dr. Frazier whips up a whole big batch of super strong Benadryl and starts poking people with it. And before you know it, everyone is back to their normal selves. The team gears up with a lot of Benadryl-filled trank darts and heads off to PC3XTRE123456. As the doubting children of light become believers in the virus histamine theory, they gratefully head out to the dark wood. As they arrive, the touched begin to step out of the darkness and into the light, at which point everyone in the village randomly shows up to greet their long-lost loved ones. It's touching reunions all around as SG-1 rides off, or walks off, into the sunset. All right, Jeff, that is the Broca Divide. Man, these last 45 minutes just, they flew by, man. They flew by. I'll give you a second to collect your thoughts and then talk to us about the Broca Divide, Jeff. Yeah, so like you you just said it, those 45 minutes flew by. I, I Get right to it. This is, this, is, this is a lot of fun. This is a super fun episode. 
uh, good action, right? It was a good mystery, like a good sci-fi mystery to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. This is what I would call like a good distraction episode. I might not ever go like seek this one out, you know, to, oh, I got, I got to watch the broken divide, but if it comes on, I'm, I'm going to sit, I'm going to pay attention to it. Like, yeah, this was, this was really fun. Can I, can I, I want to, I want to, I'll be real honest. Uh, this is an episode I, for whatever reason, I like this episode a lot. Yeah. Like I I've often Stargate is a show for me at this point. Sometimes like when I'm just vibing, I'm just, just relaxing. I, uh, maybe even just going to sleep mm-hmm. kind of want that comfort, whatever, just sort of on in the background. Broke a divide is one of the season one episodes I go to every time. You know what, what it reminds me of? I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi shows that have parallels to these, but one that really stood out is Buffy, the vampire slayer beer bad. Uh-huh. And so that's one where they're drinking this beer and it's got a thing in it that basically turns them into Neanderthals. And this was really similar to that, but a lot of fun. One of the things that I'm I'm enjoying about the show so far is, and I said this during the reaction, it's just planet of the week. You know, here, here's the situation. We're going to go in. We're going to do the sci-fi thing. We're going to have some action. We're going to solve it. But one of the threads that's starting to pop up for me, and it may be like for you, you're like, well, yeah, dude, like they literally told you this. But so again, Tauri, they pick him up. They ended up on planets really frozen in time. You know, where like th- these were Minoans apparently. And yep, yep. it's just fascinating to think like it's fun because what I think is going to be cool as this series progresses is there would be the fun period pieces, you know, that you get to go through. That'll be kind of fun. But also understanding that the Gould show up as gods, we're going to dive into the religions of like ancient civilizations and stuff and like some really cool mythology that's kind of what I got out of this one is like what's coming is going to be really cool. All of that is correct except for one thing. Okay. I would, I would tell you the, these societies that you are going to encounter are not necessarily frozen in time as much as they were plucked out of time. Now imagine what that society looks like without trading with other societies. Mm-hmm. Like, like what if, what if the Greeks got plucked out and they never were conquered by the Persians or by the Romans. And that, and they were just, they just sort of went on their way, but they also didn't have the, like what, well, what technological advances might they make, you know, with, with just being within themselves without having the, the trade and the library and the information exchange going on around the world as we do. I love this idea. Like, this is really cool because like I was coming from a place of, you know, people are just going to think and they're going to experiment and they're going to try. There's going to be some of that. Right. But you're right. Like, I don't know. This might be for you a little later on. It's some, I don't know. It wasn't really in this episode, so maybe not. But like we grow as a civilization by interacting with other civilizations together. Right. Here's the sci-fi theme of maybe part of Stargate, but together mm-hmm. We all advance more. Now, wouldn't it be great if it wasn't through conquering and things like that, but was, you know, hey, we're going to set up a trade route and we're going to do cultural exchanges and stuff like that. Well, that'd be great. I think the the faster that information has been able to flow, the faster the world has been able to advance technolo- technologically. Think about it. When when we actually had to, like, first of all, come up with writing and now we, we could we could speak and now we can write and exchange ideas. And then as trade routes open, we can 
begin to exchange ideas and then sailing vessels open. Now we can go a little bit faster, right? Um, we get into the mid ages where libraries burn and we stop, we stop understanding information. Okay. Then the Gutenberg press, we get the printing press. Now all of a sudden we can print books on mass and spread more information. You go forward. The power of flight comes along. Think about it, we get better ships. Eventually the power of flight People can go move move back and forth. All of a sudden, we're going to the moon by the sixties. Yeah, and look where we are now. Like we're sending we're sending spacecraft out of our solar system. No, wild. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's it, and then you know think of just even the technological boom since the internet really has become a thing. Like it just the the freer, faster flow of information together is what propels technology. I hope what I hope happens in future episodes is that we see some innovations. We see some stuff that they've come up with. Cause I think, I think there is still that piece of, you know, uh, we have a trebuchet, like that's the thing we have here. It's gotta be a way to do this better. You know, somebody's asking that question and they're going to go in some weird directions because of where they're at. And maybe there'll be some cool technologies that, that come up. But what in this episode was very similar to emancipation last week in this deep seated, again, religious belief system Mm -hmm. that pretty inhumane compared to our standards. And we're going to go in and we're going to, we're going to impact that, you know? So, uh, it makes sense though, with them being like scooped up and the gold doing it as gods. Yep. It's just the different ways they show up. And, and think about this. Is it possible, uh, that there are societies out there that have advanced even further technologically than we have? It'd have to be. You know what I mean? And here's one of the the great things I love about this show. It's set in today's time. This isn't future sci-fi. This is set right now. You know what I mean? And and we're, we, we have the energy blast staff weapons from Tilk and the, and the uh, Jaffa. And you've got some stuff happening with the Gould. Obviously we still see our team using uh, the, the, the projectile weapons and stuff. Uh, speaking of projectile weapon, I pointed it out in the episode and I do want to, I'll just tell you this cause I think it's interesting. Uh, there was a point when uh, the uh, Jack and his team went through first and said, count 10, and he held the gun inside the gate. You know what he was doing? He was holding the gate open. Oh, like as long as matter is transporting through the gate, like if it stops transporting, it's like, it just shuts off automatically. So by, by sticking his gun in there, he was actually holding it open. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we gate into the rest of this episode, did you know you're missing most of the content from this podcast? Stargate SG-1 for the first time has an active and exciting Patreon that you can join right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Not only will you get access to the full unedited podcast and reaction videos, You'll also be able to join a growing, vibrant, maybe even an intergalactic community. Subscribers even get access to all of our content from Babylon 5 for the first time. Don't miss out on this content and the amazing people. Just click the link in the show notes. Tilk thinks you should do it right now. Indeed. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But last week, was that last week? No, it was two weeks ago. Okay. Who was choking Kowalski, right? And put his head in it and then shut the gate off. Well, because they had to turn it off at the back. Okay. So that was an actual. Yeah. Hey, shut it off. Turn it off. 
Yeah. And you'll, as we go, you'll under, you'll, they'll tell you more about how gate technology works and how the gate itself normally functions. You'll, you'll learn more about that as we go. Okay. Um, one other person I just want to point out, uh, you got to meet Dr. Frazier in this episode, Dr. Janet Frazier. She, she is our CMO, so to speak of the show. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll get to know her. Uh, she'll, she'll be around. She's a captain as well. I just have one question okay. out of this one and I'll ask it if it's not okay to answer, tell me, but I think it's pretty high level. So SG one, mm-hmm. they are scientists, uh, Gould, uh, Jaffa and air force. So like it's an air force based team. Yep. SG three, we're a bunch of Marines. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how it's broken up? Like the different teams like hit to a branch or something? Generally speaking, no, 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 not really. Uh, the, the people that serve in the SGC on SG teams can come from any branch, mm-hmm. but it's, it, they're going to mostly be air force. It is being administered by the air force. Um, and the teams generally will have this makeup of a couple. It, they're, they're typically going to be four man teams or four person teams. Uh, you're going to have the, the, the person like Daniel, the cultural person who can kind of like try to keep them out of hot water politically. Yeah. How to handle society and all that stuff. Right, right. You know, you might have like the geologist or something like that who can, who can study things, but then you're still going to have the, for, I'm sorry, for lack of a better word, the jarheads, the, the military guys. So you're the gonna, grunts, yeah. Yeah, they got to keep you safe. The, the gropos. Oh, yes. Well done. Uh, we, have to, we have to update our rank, or not our ranking, our, um, uh, our tracking list. We're tracking a few things. We had three for crying out louds in this one. That's a lot of for crying out louds in one episode, but yeah. I love I love how he slipped one out as he was like in trans he's like, I'm I'm fading for crying out loud. <laughs> 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 Clearly gonna be kind of his thing. So that's kind of it for my first watch. Did you get any like sci-fi messages out of this one? You know, I didn't think I was. I like I, I really wanted to go down the path of uh this is about how we treat the afflicted, a metaphor for the poor, the homeless, the sick, and how instead of helping, it's easier just to cast them out or send them to the nursing home mm-hmm. or put them in a sanctuary district or whatever to ignore them. But I think that begins to really break down when you consider the the children of the light, the Minoan society, that they hadn't really advanced that far technologically. They didn't know what they were dealing with. Their society, their level of science, their level of technology, really what else could they do besides, regardless of what it is, I've got to get you away. Because what they've realized is, is and they were right, by contact with these people, we could become like them and in, in like lepers you yeah i don't know what to do so you got it. like there there is a a legit uh functionality to that to what to what they did that, that has nothing to do with morality it has to do with functionally we're all going to go bad if we don't do something here well just look back a hundred years even and again leper i thought i think that that analogy to lepers was so on point because you know a hundred ish years ago we had we were still using hawaii as a leper colony, parts of Hawaii, you know, and so it's, we didn't understand, we didn't know, and we felt that was the best way we could deal with it. So I was about, I was about to all just chalk this up and say, no, this was a fun episode, but no chevrons until Tilk asked a question. It was Tilk. He said, he's talking to uh, Tupelo and the girl, and she's like, yeah, that's my daughter. My dad's out there. And he looks at him and he goes, how could you be so heartless? And I went, you know what? Here we go. 
when you deal with the reality all the time, like how could they be so heartless? And, and here's the thing, because as a society for generations and years and, and, and however long, it's just a fact of society. If you're touched, you've got to go out. And if you don't, it's going to, it's going to be the end for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's that's just a hard fact. It sucks, but it's just a hard fact. So yeah, my dad's up there, but I ain't nothing I can do about it. When you deal with stuff on that level, when you have to deal in the reality of doing things that are heartless, it can make you heartless. The reality of a tough of the reality of a tough job can harden you, but it's really important not to let it. I I work I work with people all the time that deal with hard situations. And and you know, I I I work a lot with physicians and you know, people dealing having to give cancer news and having to deal. I mean, you know, people that sign death certificates every single day, it, it is a normal everyday part of their job. People in the ER just get some of the most horrific, horrific things. People in sickness, that get transferred over to the, to the main hospital, just, uh, you know, people in kids wards and it, it just hard, heartbreaking stuff. Almost in order to get through it, you almost have to harden yourself to it and steal yourself. But there really is a, a piece of saying, we can't do that as a people group because then you stop caring. And you know what happens when you stop caring? You stop searching for the answer. You stop searching for the solution. And uh, I think it's important to not let it. I think that really, if I, if I had to say, there is there a thrust to what this episode was about? And I think it really was there. So Jeff, uh, yeah, that was my message was even though you have to do things that are heartless, sometimes you can't let it harden you and make you heartless. Two thoughts come to mind. I think it's a great call on that. And that was that moment when he said that I was like, Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. But the first thought that comes to mind is in the United States right now, um, we have a very vibrant and that's a weird word to use for this, but a very vibrant long-term care industry. It's nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, things like that. I say vibrant because business is booming. We got a lot of people in there and the people who own those facilities and run them often, often, or the people who are on site running things, they care. They want to create a comfortable, good place for these people as they either recover or, you know, live out the twilight of their days. There's people who own them who are just looking for profit. The thing is, and I know this, uh, I used to work right next to a group for most states that use they have Medicaid that'll pay for long-term care. After the person passes away, the state can go back and they can collect from the estate uh, money to pay back the Medicaid dollars they used. And I learned listening to them that 52 on average, 52% of residents in nursing facilities uh-huh. never have a single visitor. Wow. They would call long-term care facilities God's waiting room. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to add that like you might put a system in. So the system they put in place was to protect them with no regard to the untouched. Go figure it out. Good luck. Here now, modern times, we've built an entire industry in the name of compassion. You know, they all have great names, Sacred Heart, you know, things like that. Really nice pictures inside, people that care or whatever. But the reality is we're putting them away and just waiting the time out. And so even in the, in the face, the superficial act of compassion and being heartful, we're still being heartless. And so it's really, what does it look like 
to really encompass that and, 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 and demonstrate it. I also really appreciated your, uh, you know, story, you know, especially in the medical field, you know, I, I, I know really well your interaction there and it's, I mean, oh my God, right. Yeah. Somebody told me this really great piece of advice and that is whatever you do at work, don't do it at home. Mm. I think about like if I was a therapist, you know, I'm not going to go home and therapy my 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 spouse or my kids. Don't do it uh, myself. Like I'm a manager, so I can't come home and manage. My, my, <laughs> that won't work me. out too well for you. Then. Yeah, yeah, I can't manage. <laughs> I don't have that. But but when you think about these people that are making these really tough decisions, these hard things, that's work, and they have to be able to have a place, their family, wherever is safe for them, where they can just be them. Right. And I think that expression of who they are um, lets that that hardening up soften or at least gives you you have the option of shields up or shields down. Yeah. But I think so many people, it's so hard to be in that place. They're just shields up and then it becomes a wall and then you're blind to all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, this is great conversation. This wouldn't be a for the first time production if we didn't have some ratings here so you my friend get to rate this episode based on that message we just talked through on a scale of zero to five chevrons as to how strong the message was so what do you got for us yeah you know i i know last week i talked a lot about intentionality mm -hmm. i do think there was some intentional intentionality that they put on here but there's also the other idea of how strong is the message and the message wasn't overly strong but I do think it was there. And I think if you think about it, it's you don't have to dig too deep to get it. But it may not be replete throughout the entire episode. Uh, so for that reason, I give this one two and a half chevrons right in the middle. Two and a half. That works. Now, Jeff, why, while I may rate this according to chevrons on top of the message, you get to rank this episode to really just how much did you like it? How much did you enjoy it? We're going to keep a ranking of the entire season. Um, and our current ranking has three entries in it. We have Children of the Gods at number one, The Enemy Within at number two, and Emancipation right down the list in the order that we've seen. Jeff, where do you get to place the Broca Divide in terms of ranking it according to the season? Well, it's going to be above Emancipation. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's for sure. But I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling as to if this is number one or number two. Mm. So I... I liked the enemy within that was a, that was a good episode. I enjoyed this one a lot more. This was a fun episode. Yeah. Children of the gods. It's epic. This is, you know, it's big. A lot of stuff happened. It was fun. I finished watching that and I wanted to watch the next episode. Mm. Like, and that's, it was a pilot, right? That's kind of its job. But I think, you know, this ranking really is what am I going to sit down and watch? Like, what do I want? What am I going to choose to watch? If I'm going to just turn on Stargate, Brent, this is our new number one episode. There you go. I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I love Children of the Gods. I, Children of the Gods is one of the best pilots I've ever seen in television. Fantastic. It, it introduces you to the characters. It introduces you to the situation. It sets up what the show is going to be about and sets everything into motion. And it has its own compelling story within. It gives all of your character motivations exactly, you know, you know, exactly. Jack's after Scara. Daniel's after Sharae. Teal'c is well. He well. He's he's trying to get his people away from from Apophis. Mm -hmm. Let's destroy the false god. Figure out what that's all about. And then you got Sam, who she's your gate nerd. 
you know, she's there because she's been on this project for a long time. Like, you, you know, every, you know, Hey, here's this cartouche. We can, we, we can go to thousands of planets. Oh yeah. I got a computer program. It'll spit out two or three a month, new episodes a month. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Weird how uh, it's just gonna. Yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah, it just great pilot, fantastic pilot. But what you're right. When it comes down to which one do I want to watch again? I personally picked this one. I'm with you on that. This is a good episode. I'm with you on that. Well, Jeff, that's going to do it for us here for the Broca Divide. Now, next time, the name of the episode we are watching is the First Commandment. Jeff, you care to venture a guess as to what this one's going to be about? Two things come immediately to mind. First Commandment, if you hear commandment, you go right to the Ten Commandments, right? And that's a thought. Clearly, religion is kind of a, th- a theme in here. For those that don't know, what is the First Commandment? Do you know? Is that thou shalt not kill? No. No? It's thou shalt have no other gods before me. Oh, that makes sense that it's that one. I do know that there are three of the commandments that relate to how you relate with God and seven that relate to how you interact with the community around you. Yep. Because frankly, people didn't know how to do that back then or now. Right. So, but but I don't think that's necessarily going to be, I don't think it's necessarily going to be religious. This is what I, I don't know if it's what I think it's going to be. Here's what I hope it's going to be. Okay. I'm kind of blown away that this episode even happened. Like, how could they have not expected at some point someone to walk through with a weird bacteria or a weird virus or something? How do they have no protocols around coming in and out of the Stargate at all? It's it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah. So my hope is that this is going to be about that. The first commandment is, and this is like almost a, the development of the, the protocols. Gosh, I almost want to say like the prime directive, but it's not the prime directive here isn't going to be don't go mess with other society. It's going to be don't bring any of that stuff back here or take any of our stuff there. Well, we'll find out next time right here on Stargate SG-1 for the first time. Hey, folks out there, thank you guys so much for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your audio podcast or if you're right here at YouTube, click that subscribe button. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you are and share this podcast with somebody who loves Stargate SG-1 or maybe somebody who is just now falling in love with this incredible series. So until next time. Hey, Brent. Hey, Jeff. Would you like to see me in my, uh, I got a pretty sweet little tank top number. Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) 